The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live on the Autism Network. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm all a mess this morning. Just going to keep it real. Uh, so excited to be with you. We're live. Today is Wednesday. It is the 9th of March, and there's just so much going on, and there's so much that I want to say. But we have to start with, and we're going to talk about this more at length tomorrow, love us some Amy Schumer. Don't we love Amy Schumer? Isn't Amy Schumer fabulous? And I, and I love that she's out there and saying wonderful things about our community and her husband and how much love she has for individuals on the autism spectrum. But, 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 we all need to throw our loving arms around wonderful Amy and tell her that six, while it is the average age that people get a diagnosis of six, that is a problem, not an okay thing. So anybody within the, the anybody who knows Amy, knows Amy, Amy's people, uh, you know, I think we all have this assumption that people who are in places of influence get information. And, you know, that's true sometimes, but sometimes it's not true. So let's all make sure, and I'm sure that by now Amy has heard because the autism community went yesterday on the internet and said, Amy, no, your child is old enough to be taken and screened for autism and that you must do that because early intervention is everything. And that's not because we want to change who he is. Let's make sure that we say that he's fabulous and he's perfect, but he has a right to learn in a way that is conducive for him. And if he is on the spectrum, then that means you will do some things differently, not you know, to change him, but to help him to have a fair shot at learning all the things that are important to him. Okay, so please everyone, do your jobs, disseminate, so that Amy gets the information however she needs to get it, because we love her, love that she is so, in, you can just tell in the pictures when she's with her child, that she is in love with that little man, and that it's a good, good thing. Amy, we love that too, but if he learns differently, you would want to know that as soon as possible. And now is a very, very, he's two and a half. Now is the moment, Amy, please, please, please. Uh, okay, so there's that. Um, but I'm also excited this morning because, can I just admit that I'm the biggest dork? If you have been watching the show and you don't know that, please just know that I am the biggest dork on the planet, that I'm not what the, I, what the world would call um, good at social situations, but I'm asking us all to have, be a little bit more fluid with that, right? Um, but I'm kind of a big dork and that I fangirl on people and that I get intimidated by people. I am the shyest person, you know, which I know doesn't compute, right? But I am, I'm very shy and especially in person, I'm shy. I'm also someone who feels like I have, like I have a past that I can talk to anybody. So that doesn't really compute to anybody but me. Um, but especially I'm really good on the phone and I can do this kind of a thing, but person to person is a little bit harder for me. And then I sat in my house for two years. And then this weekend I went to an event and met some of the people that I fangirl on. And our guest today is one of those people that I get a little like, cause I just know how smart she is and, and how amazing she is. And she's somebody that I aspire to be more like. Um, so anyway, Karen Bessel is here today and that's really exciting to me. And I just want to keep up and I feel like a dork. I feel like like when Oprah met Mary Tyler Moore, I just don't want to get to the ugly cry. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm thrilled that she's here and that she's going to talk to you guys because she's brilliant. She's brilliant. 
and I kind of want to be her when I grow up, but I don't because I don't, I will never understand the things that she understands. But I said to somebody last night, I said, do you understand that Karen Fessel is one of the people that when I go to bed at night, I say, thank God for Karen Fessel. Because when I talk to you guys and say, there are brighter minds working on the things that you're worried about while you're sleeping, they're working on it. Karen Fessel is one of those people. So she's here today. It's very exciting. Um, and it, and I know you guys go, oh, insurance, because insurance is not the fun thing, right? Except it leads to a lot of the fun things. So don't fuzz out. Don't tune out. She's incredible. She's going to have good information for you. Make sure that you're here. I'll try not to cry. We'll, we'll do the best that we can. <laughs> okay. That's what it is today. That's, that's what we're talking about today. Okay. Uh, Want to let you know we're live on a bunch of different platforms right now. Facebook, YouTube. I haven't seen you guys writing on the chat yet. Write in the chat. Say hello. Tell us where you're watching from. We love to give you a shout out wherever you are. You know, I love the, the geography of it all. And, uh, but we're live on a bunch of different places on those platforms, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, you can be writing in and I pretty much will see it within a couple of minutes here on, uh, on a platform that we've got going right now. We're also live on the autism network right now. And on autism-live.com, you can be writing in on the chat there. Traven's showing you a bunch of the other places that we're live. Keep in mind, though, that this show will podcast later on. Parker, good morning. Uh, why was there a rerun yesterday? For a bunch of different reasons. Uh, one was that I needed a day to recoup from being at the conference and that Dr. Grand Pichet last minute got called away. And so we last minute put up a rerun. I apologize, but that is, that is the, the, the beginning and end of the truth of it. Um, and also, can I also admit to Parker that my, my book goes to the printer today. And so we were in the weeds, um, getting the fi finishing touches done on the book. And I still have to give two more notes this morning. My publisher is like, can you finish that show? I have things I want to talk to you about. So that's part and parcel of what sometimes it happens, Parker. And I apologize. Um, but we're here now and we're live right now. And there's Amanda with her blue hearts. Okay. We, it's like official. We're, we're, we're here this morning. Uh, thank you, Parker. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I long to have you look at it and tell me what you think. Uh, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, we're, we're also available as a podcast, free download wherever you get your podcasts. We are the number one rated autism podcast worldwide for the second year in a row. I'm so humbled by that. But let's remember that that's entirely because of you guys, because you guys have liked us, you've shared us, you put somebody, a friend's name into the comments so that they know where to find us. I have to say that's a really loving thing to do. If you find something that somebody likes, put their name in the comment. Um, and that way they can find it. Sharon, so glad that you're here with us dialed in from Westlake. Uh, appreciate you and give my best to Dylan and Sarah. Good morning. How are things in your neck of the woods? We're so thrilled that you guys are all here. I'm so excited that you're going to get to be here with Karen Fessel. And so let, let me not, um, get sidetracked. Let's move this train along the tracks. You know that I always say to you, we have lots of experts. Oh my gosh, Karen Fessel. Just don't get better than that, right? Um, but I'm not one of them. I'm I'm here with you in the front row of the classroom as a student, raising my hand as much as I possibly can to learn with you and asking questions because I don't know how to not do that. And but just don't mistake me for an expert. Mistake me for somebody who cares deeply and wants to help you wherever you are. I say all the time, this show, it, our mission is to provide information and inspiration to that larger autism community. That starts with individuals who are themselves on the spectrum. Of course it does. And you know, that, that they are the beating heart of our community, but we also include in our community, everyone who loves those individuals and who is out there trying to convince the world what we already know, that these amazing people have absolutely a right to work where they want to learn how they want to speak what they want to speak always, right? And that we need to listen, um, to love who they want to love. Uh, live where they want to live and get any support that is right for each one of those individuals, right? That's our community. So we welcome all of you. You can qualify however you want to be in that, that community, but we love all of you. Good morning, Seba. So thrilled, thrilled that you're here. So that's what we always want to say to you. Now, at the start of the show on Wednesdays, we also like to do something that we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. <laughs> 
This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what the hey, nani nani, are these experts talking about? What does this have to do with us? You know, if I really had my stuff together this morning, we would have some jargon term that has to do with insurance, but you know that hurts my head. We do it occasionally. It's not my fave. Uh, but anyway, it's okay because today we have a good one. And I'm told that we've done this before, but not for like eight years or something, which is crazy to me. So our term today is task. Doesn't this sound uh, like something, uh, you know, I don't know what, I, I, it sounds like something in a computer lab, not something that I'm interested in, not something that has to do with my everyday, day-to-day -day life, but that would be incorrect. And see, my dog even thinks that. So I don't know if you can hear her barking. Uh, I'm sure the UPS man is going down the street. We're almost back in the studio. Another couple of weeks back in the studio and there will be no dogs barking in the background anymore. How will we survive? Can you tell I'm a little excited today? Okay, task analysis. Let's get back on track here. First of all, we give you the actual definition. Often I make fun of those definitions because it's my hobby. And then we give you a working definition so that you can see why it might be worth time to know what this thing is. And task analysis is a big deal. And I'm going to tell you why. So first of all, let's take a look at what our actual definition is um, so that we can get this. My happy birthday belatedly. Um, so, uh, task analysis, our actual definition is a process of breaking a complex skill or series of behaviors into smaller teachable units. Well, look at that. That's kind of accessible, right? It kind of makes a certain amount of sense. I don't think it really gets down to the human uh, of it, but it's not bad. A process of breaking a complex skill or series of behaviors into smaller teachable units. I kind of like it. But let's move on to our working definition. Hello, American Amy. Thrilled you're here today. So our working definition of task analysis is a list of all the individual steps a child or an individual or you or me must take in order to complete a task or sequence of behaviors. So this is one of those things that if you don't know it, you're like, I don't know, I, you know, I don't know how this would be important to me. And then once you do know it and you apply it, you go, holy business, this actually can help me with all kinds of things in my life. Uh, so I, I think back to, I was explaining a training that I went to once upon a Christmas, um, to a friend in my family, uh, a family member who's also a friend. And, and I was saying, you know, they were explaining to me that when I'm teaching something to my son that that's complex, I don't have to teach the whole thing all at the same time. My goal is for him to know the whole thing, but I don't have to teach it all at the same time. And I'm a teacher, a former teacher, so I found that interesting. And I said the example that they used is when you're teaching someone how to get dressed by pulling a shirt over their head. And I said, you know, I never really thought about all the steps that are involved in that before, because for me, I just, you know, pulled the shirt on over my head, but I didn't realize they were showing me in a task analysis of putting on a shirt that there is a moment when you, uh, if you're doing it one way, but it's a good way is to take the shirt and lay it on the bed and scrunch up the shirt from the bottom and to the neck of the shirt so that it's all in one piece and then to put it over your head that way. And that the reason why that might be a better way of teaching that to individuals on the spectrum is there is a sensory nightmare when the shirt is over your head, that moment before you get it around your neck can sometimes stop you in your tracks. And if you stop, you feel trapped and it can be a very traumatic for an individual who's not learning to that moment. And I said, you know, I never really thought about that because it's just not something that I thought of before about the scrunching it up to the neck because then it makes it small. So that moment of getting it over is much quicker. And I was saying that, you know, if I hadn't heard the task analysis of this, I might've missed that. And this family member went, hold on a second, wait a second. And this is somebody who has neurotypical kids. She was like, hold on a second, wait a second. I said, what's wrong? And she goes, no, I'm just writing it down because this is the place that I have been stuck with my daughter. She can totally dress herself, except that she can't get that right. And I didn't realize what it was. And now that I know what it is, I just need to write it down. And that reminded me of a couple of different things. 
that we can all benefit from this information, that anytime you or I or somebody we love is having a problem with something, that this is a method that is available to stop and go, wait a second, what, you know, what are the steps to do this? Because once I know what the steps are, I might see that I'm missing one, or I might identify the place where it's not working well and just work on that part of it, which when you do that, that's called chaining. Because eventually we're going to piece that behavior together with a bunch of other behaviors so that we get to the whole behavior. Um, but I will also tell you quickly, when I first moved to Los Angeles, one of my roommates was studying to be an OT. And so I got a super treat <laughs> on a weekly basis because she would have these endless uh, homework assignments where she had to get a task analysis of something. And you can do a task analysis by yourself, but it's very painstaking and it's hard because sometimes you can't see the whole angle. And I remember one spring afternoon where I had to open the refrigerator door like 112 times because we were working through, my other roommate was sitting there and the roommate that was the OT was sitting there and I kept reaching for the refrigerator door and opening it. And the other roommate was like, no, did you notice she swiveled her hips because you have to get out of the way of the door as it's opening. And we, we had to analyze the whole, how do you open a refrigerator door? And it forever taught me about how complex even the simplest things that we do on a regular basis are and my dad had just gone through a stroke at that point, And I remember going, oh, this is an important thing to know when you're teaching something and, and it's not going well, you can always look at it and go, what are all the elements of it? And sometimes we glide through a bunch of them. So task analysis, really, really important because until you know what all the steps are, you're, you're not a hundred percent about what you might be missing. And once you know what all the steps are, you can look at it and go, where do I need to start teaching here? And depending on the learner, some learners really, you know, get very, very down on themselves if they can't do something. So if you've got the task analysis and you look at it and go, well, here are the steps that they already have. Sometimes when you're teaching, you start with the steps they already have and you heavily reinforce and go, you're doing great. And you do the other part for them. That's part of chaining, right? So it's going to be different for every single learner. But until you know what all the steps are, are you effectively teaching? <sighs> Something to think about. Um, and American Amy says, makes sense to me, would make things less overwhelming at the starting point than step-by-step. Step. Yes, American Amy. And this is what I'm talking about. See? And then we start to understand it. Uh, uh, oh, Amanda says... we. <laughs> I totally read it wrong the first time, Amanda. Amanda says, we use a task analysis for wiping. Big help for us so we can see the progress he was making. Amen. I absolutely love it. You guys get it. Okay, moving on then. We always have a question of the day for you. You guys can be writing in to our question of the day on any of the platforms that you're on. We love to hear what your answers are. Our question today, what's the hardest part of the day for you? Because I want you to think about this and think, like, where does it all fall apart for you? Because can you do a task analysis on why? Like, like what, like what part isn't working? I can tell you that the hardest part of the day for me, it's always the beginning and the end, right? Morning is hard. Night is hard. Uh, and if I would look at it and think, like, let's just take nighttime. Sometimes I get so tired I can't go to bed. Does anybody else, anybody else uh, feel this way? I get so tired. I can't go to bed. You know why? Because there's so many steps to going to bed and I just can't get myself up to do it. Um, and I was telling this to a BCBA and they were like, are there any of these steps you can do earlier when you're not tired so that you can make that the, the task of going to bed easier? Like, can you brush your teeth an hour before? Can you fill, I sleep with a CPAP. Can you fill your CPAP up earlier in the day? Yes. Can you you know, take your shower earlier because I have to take a shower before I sleep or I cannot sleep, right? Um, and so, you know, making all these decisions, but until I went through and said, here are the steps of me going to bed, I couldn't have said, well, here are the ones that don't have to be done, right, 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 right before bed. Um, so uh, Parker says, the hardest part of the day is meal times. Why do I have, oh, I'm not even going to read what you said because you are an amazing, beautiful human being, Parker. Um, and I, 
I also struggle with the weight issues. Uh, but you know, you are perfect. You are absolutely perfect. All of us are working on things that we want to be able to do better because that's part of the human experience, but you are perfect exactly the way you are. Um, but Parker, I will happily talk to you. I, you know that I've I recently lost 58 pounds. I still have a long way to go, but let's talk about that offline, Parker, um, about how we can make meal times easier for you and maybe, you know, hook you up with some things that will help you. But you are, you are brilliant. You are smart, compassionate person. You add to my world every day, and I know I'm just one of many people. Um, so, and there are lots of different, you know, ways to help yourself with food. There is not um, one uh, one way. Uh, there's things, different things for different people. So I'm putting my loving arms around you, Parker. I absolutely yes. We'll we'll have we'll you and I'll have a private conversation about that. Uh, my Kipple, yes, Doctor Tarbox is with us on Monday. Thank you for asking. We haven't had Doctor Tarbox on the show for quite a while, but um, please uh, join us on Monday for that. Okay, so I'm glad that you guys are are, are writing in about that. Uh, what's but what's the hardest part of your day, and can we look at it? And is there a way to make it easier? Does it have to be that hard? Um, I used to say that the hardest part of the day was when my son and I, we lived in this condo on a very busy road and we'd have to park the car and, and he'd have to get out of the car with his bag and cars would whiz by and I would think he was going to get hit by a car. And, you know, I had friends who were like, well, let's go through what has to happen when you get out of the car and how can you do it in the safest way? And, um, you know what I mean? Like we could make it easier. There's always a way to make it easier, but first you got to look at it go, what are the steps? And then you can make choices. Uh, Parker, you don't know Dr. Tarbox? You're going to have such a good time on Monday. We've done a bunch of videos with him in the past. You can look and see Parker. He's fabulous. Um, but so is my guest today. And we're, I'm, I'm taking time away from her. we got to hurry, hurry, hurry. Uh, okay. <laughs> so always have a topic of the week. And our topic this week, um, oh man, I just want to find more time to talk about this as well too. It has to be fair. I love that Dr. Grand Pichet says this on a regular basis. And this, I'm, this is like my flag now. Uh, this is the flag that I want to fly all the time because I see that a bunch of people are like, well, you know, is this the right thing? Is that the right thing? You know, should I do this with my child? Should I do this with myself? And, you know, this goes right to what we were just talking about, Parker. It has to be fair. If you're asking yourself to do something, I want, and, and you're having trouble doing it, I want you to ask yourself, is it fair what I'm asking myself to do? If you're asking your child to do something, if you're wondering, you're like, well, we're doing ABA and I keep hearing all these negative things about ABA and you guys ask me all the time, what's the difference between good quality ABA and schlocky, not you know, really ABA, but calling it ABA. And there's all these minute things, but I'll tell you the quickest thing is, is it fair? When they are asking you or your child to do something, is it fair? Are they getting an equal reward for doing it? Are they taking into consideration their desires? Because if they are, that's a hallmark of good ABA. And if it's not, it's for sure not good ABA. Is it fair? You want your child to, I wanted my child to get out of the car. And I wanted him to get out quicker and get to the side of the road. But you know what I discovered wasn't entirely fair. I was going by my timetable, not his. And once I began to look at it and go, what does he need? Which is what's fair is looking at that. Then we could get to the solutions, right? It's got to be fair. And if you are ever not sure in a moment, ask yourself, is this fair right here, right now? Am I, I'm asking you to do something, but what's in it for you? What are you getting out of it? Is it important to you? Are you getting something in addition to make it important to you? But is it fair? And I think that if you go by that, you'll almost always be right. Is it fair? So I love that. Uh, American Amy says, yes, it must be fair. Everything must be fair for your child or, or your child will not benefit. And you know what? That is the be all end all. I'm just going to get flags made that say it has to be fair. And, and because I was at this conference this weekend and people were talking about a lot of different things and I just kept coming back to this. Yeah, but if it's fair, then we're good. 
Like, you don't have to worry about this, this, and this, because is it fair? It's just, it's the litmus test. Thank you um, to, to Dr. Grandpache for beating that into my head. It took me a while, but I'm there. It has to be fair. That's everything. Okay, enough. Enough with all of that, because we have this fabulous guest that I'm going to fangirl on. Uh, Karen Thessel is joining us right now. She's a proud parent two, of two young adults, and one of them happens to be on the autism spectrum. Karen, get this, founded the Mental Health and Autism Insurance Project nearly 15 years ago. After successfully securing services for her child on the spectrum, she currently serves as the executive director of the organization. It is a nonprofit that helps families secure mental health and autism treatments through insurance by writing appeals. I know getting chills now, aren't you? Fielding questions from the community, putting out a quarterly newsletter, and educating regulators and legislators on insurance needs and consumers. Uh, she serves on the Cal ABBA Stakeholders Committee, the Cal ABBA Insurance Ad Hoc Committee, and the Government Affairs Committee of the National Association for Therapeutic Schools and Programs. She's worked on getting both the California Autism Insurance Mandate and updated California Mental Health Parity passed into law and fully implemented. And we've talked about MAPIA um, from time to time on this show, but you guys know you that, that have kiddos that have been shortchanged that are a little bit older, it's the Holy Grail. Uh, Karen has a doctorate in public health from UC Berkeley. I do kind of want to be her when I grow up, but I don't want to have to know what she knows. So Karen, welcome to Autism Live. Thank you, Shannon. That is an incredible introduction. I'm really, really honored. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm your fangirl. Uh, so I think uh, you're terrific. Well, and I uh, think what you do is amazing. That's amazing to me because you have been a guiding light for me to the point where like, you know, you came up to me at the conference the other day and I was in the middle of like, a, you know, I don't know how to be around people. I, I, this is not Netflix. I don't. And, and we were standing in line to meet people that I was also fangirling on and I was like shorting out. And so I was afraid that I was, I, I just like, cause I didn't, I don't even know what I said to you, but anyway, I was fangirling. I, I too am getting my social skills back in order in terms of um, how, you know, we've been out of it for two years. So yeah. it's taking us all a while to get back into the social scene. And it was great. It was a great conference. Oh, and I love the part that you did with the self-advocates and the neurodiversity. That well, is so important for this community to, well, um, to tune in on. Thank you. I was bummed out because I only got to go to two talks while I was there because we were doing live feeds. So I didn't get to be there oh. to see what you were presenting. Um, and they're saying that my earbuds are not plugged in all the way. Um, but uh, but Karen, because I, I heard that you were amazing and I know that you always are. Um, so, I, you know, I, I felt that. But uh, I just want to say, first of all, did we get the memo? We're wearing the, the like the polar opposite, opposite of each other. It's like opposite colors. Yes. yes. Uh, that's kind of cool. I absolutely love that. So I don't even know where to begin, Karen, but ha like, tell us a little bit about your story and how did you find your way to this? Okay. Because that's got to be fascinating. Well, I have a background in public health. Um, and so I'd worked in the healthcare system for a number of years before I even had my child. And um, I, um, I had worked for Kaiser and I had done some work around guidelines and around new medical technologies. And so, and I understood, I knew about the, um, I knew about the state parity law. And so I knew that they were required, the insurance was supposed to be covering some of the things that my son needed. Um, and first of all, in terms of what you said about Amy Schumer, um, it took me six till my son was six for us to get a diagnosis. And he was at attention at age three, but the um, so-called experts uh, took a long time to figure out exactly what was going on. And but so, do you do you agree with what I said though? She needs to oh, take absolutely. Him in now. She needs to get him assessed. And yeah. and and I mean, it sounds like she suspects that he might have this and his father is on the spectrum. So yes. yeah, right there. I mean, it can't hurt to get him assessed. And then if he needs um, more, you know, intervention, then that's the way to go. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. I regret that we could, didn't get my son in earlier, but we tried. 
<laughs> and we did get some some services for him. Anyway, when he was about seven or eight, I was trying to get him speech and occupational therapy and social skills therapy. And um, I knew about this law, but I was getting like sort of the runaround from my insurance company. And it was really hard to get services for him. And finally, um, I appealed and they denied me and I took the case to the DMHC. And at first they just sided with and the what is, company. What is the DAM? Oh, DMHC, yes, jargon, jargon, jargon. This <laughs> field is full of jargon. DMHC is the state regulator in California. If you have a plan, a health plan, if you work for a relatively small employer or you get um, your insurance um, through the marketplace, they are going to regulate your plan. Okay. And so that's a lot of people in California. It's probably half of the population. And does every um, state have something like this, something akin to it? Yes, but not all insurance is regulated that way. If you work right. for a large company, more than like maybe 200 or 500 employees, there's a good chance you have what's called self-funded insurance. And that means that the um, employer actually pays out the claims, but they are they might hire someone like Anthem or Aetna to administer the plan, the claims and administer their their health, whole health plan. And if you have that kind of insurance, then your um, your your insurance is regulated more or less through the Department of Labor. And they have um, they are over your employer, not the insurance plan. And there is actually a bill in Congress right now to change that so that the Department of Labor can directly regulate the insurance company, which is in most cases more appropriate because they know the insurance industry, whereas most employers don't. But anyway, how I got started on this, so I brought yeah. my case to the Department of Managed Healthcare, and at first they denied me. And then I called back and I had like a meltdown on the phone with the I mean, I just went ballistic on them. And then they were like, okay, well, we'll reconsider your case. And I was like, You're kidding me. And then and then they reconsidered my case and I won. Yeah. And and then from then there on in, I knew here I am, I have a public health background, I have this experience. And I have to help other people. And it's like I said that this weekend when I described my colleague, Faye um, that that basically she had to put on her own oxygen mask before she could help everybody else. And it was the same with me. I had to help my own child first. And then I was able to um, think about other people and how hard it would be. You know, if you didn't have English as your primary language, if you didn't have, I mean, knowledge and knowledge about the laws that I had going into this. Um, so um, so it's been and that. And now fast forward 15 years, I started my um, company in 2009 and we just focused on autism. Then when we got the mandate passed into law, it was a great thing. But my the amount of people that needed my help was much less. And so I switched my focus. Um, I still work with people with autism and ABA, trying to get ABA services. Um, but we spend a lot of time with people with autism and people with other conditions who are trying to get residential treatment because that can be really hard as well. And a lot of our families with autism, when their kids get to be teenagers, some of them, even though they've had a lot of ABA, they, they hit the wall and they need a higher level of care because um, they're falling apart. They have the hormone, the teenage hormones kicking in. They have a lot going on. And COVID has really exacerbated that thing where our kids, a lot of our kids are having um, mental comorbid mental health issues in addition to the autism issues. So, um, so that's a lot of what, you know, of how I got into it. I can only say, I'm so sorry that that's what you went through, but I cannot help but be grateful that <laughs> because if you had not gone through that, then so many of us would not have had a place to go for help. And, and I just want to throw that out into the universe because I'm sure that a lot of people who are watching today are having challenges in a certain area. But remember that Karen's challenge became her, her war cry and, and, and she's a rock star helping other families to be able to do that. It can happen, you guys. But I, I you know, I, I guess I'm sort of sad to hear that families don't need you as much anymore, Karen, because I well, think they it's, do. It's not exactly they true. They don't need me in the same way. What I can often do, and sometimes they do need me, but what I can often do is advise them 
and and it doesn't even take a lot of time. Like I can advise them on what they need to do so that they can help themselves. Um, Amazing. Because I want you to share what, because there's so many important things that people need to know right now about insurance. Because I I stand by this one thought, which is insurance is really hard to navigate. But if you can figure that thing out and get that in place, everything will be better. Um, Yeah. Once you get the interventions that you need. Yes. Once you get the help that you need. But you got to know how to play the game. There's a game. And right. It's it is a game so, and it's not I, fair. Remember not you said fair. everything has to be fair. It yeah. is really not fair. Yeah. And it is really, um, the deck is kind of stacked against you. And it's part of the law that the, um, sort of the benefit of the doubt, if there's a dispute about what really happened, the benefit of the doubt goes to the insurance company. And that's not fair either because they're motivated to, um, to make money is their priority and they don't always tell the truth, which is unfortunate. Um, and so that, so yeah, it's not fair. So Um, what do we need to know? Talk to us about right now, what are the most important things that families need to know and, and what are some of the laws that we can hang ourselves, you know, uh, hang okay. on to um, for protection? And, and, and if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, please feel free to talk about it in California because I think that yeah. people More do need here. to hear about it for California, okay. but then also give us a nationwide perspective. Okay. Well, there is a national law called the Federal Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act. I think you've had Julie Kornack on your show before. And that is, Julie likes to tell everybody that's her favorite law. And um, Mepia, yeah. (laughs) And so that is a great law. And um, and it's federal, but it applies to every nearly all plans, except perhaps grandfathered plans and some government plans. And um, it it works because it, it basically says that um, that that treatment limitations for mental health can be no more restrictive um, than they are for medical and surgical health. And so this is relevant in many ways. Um, and um, and including things like age limits, um, many state mandates, California doesn't have age limits, but many state mandates do. And MAPIA has allowed a lot of those limits, those age limits to be lifted, like in one fell swoop, like when that became active throughout. Um, and, and we've, uh, the Autism Speaks has gone state by state and tried to get these um, mandates lifted, these, these um, like age limits, um, dollar limits, hour limits. Um, so those kind of limitations, because you wouldn't put a limit on how many visits a person with diabetes needs or how many, how much money even you can spend on it or how, um, how at the age of treatment. No. Um, also if they need services while they're during their school day, they're going to get them. So do kids with autism. Sometimes they need, they need, um, uh, ABA to access the curriculum. Um, there you go. So just, just to put a fine point on it, cause I know some of you are watching and you're like, I don't think this, this really affects me, but let's say that you have a 10 year old kiddo right now who's getting ABA services. What I've seen and I hear from parents all the time is that then suddenly, you know, your child turns 11 and you're told you don't qualify for ABA anymore. Sorry. Oops. You don't, you don't get it anymore. Right. It's more often at age six because they start school. And um, sometimes they, they don't drop them down to, to nothing, but they'll try to drop them down to like maybe 10 hours a week. And California, we have a new, relatively new mental health parity uh, law in California. And it basically says that um, school, that, you, that the insurance can't say, you know, you need to ask the school district to pay for this. This is, they can't take a public program or, and it specifically says special education or the IEP. They can't um, take that and say, this needs to be provided that way. So we don't have to provide it. They can't use it as a, an excuse or a limitation as to why they don't have to provide something. And so that's part of our new, it passed a year ago. And honestly, um, the regulator is still working on implementation. And so there are still some bumps in the road with that. Um, but this, Karen, this is why I'm always great. I, I include you in my prayers. I'm not kidding. Because I <laughs> love you. knowing that there are, because I, the insurance thing makes me totally buggy. I, because it's not fair. And right. I believe that everything right. needs to be fair and it's not. And I, and I think to myself, you know, I'm here doing this, but then every once in a while I go, I, I need to go lay on the steps of the Capitol and say, I'm going to lay here until it's fair. Come. I don't have time for that. 
Come. You do have time for that. That is really important. And the more people that we that we get when we have something that's really important, yes, we need to show in numbers to our state legislators and our federal legislators that we count, that we're here, that we're watching them, that we need you know uh, better regulation. And we do. We still do. Even though we have these laws, the laws are only one part of it. We still need to let the regulators hear from us when we're not being treated right by our insurance company. First, we have to complain to the insurance company, and then we need to go to the regulator. And a lot of families don't know that. They just complain to the insurance company, they get a denial, and they say, oh, I guess I'm done. No, you're not done. You tell the regulator. And and if they get enough complaints, they will do something. But they need to hear from you. Karen taking us to church here. But I want to say to you, Karen. (laughs) I'm sorry to get passionate. No, I love it. There's a time and a place where you need me and other people to stand on the steps of the Capitol. You tell me because I will use my megaphone to tell people and I will show up uh, if at all humanly possible. And we may need you sometimes for individual cases. Like, I don't know if you've ever done it, but if a family is willing to talk about their um, problems getting insurance covered for um, their child, um, if they appeared on your show and you interviewed them and then like we sent that to like the insurance company, the press, they really respond to the press. They don't like bad press. They want to be everybody's friend and they don't like it. And so sometimes I would love to, to, oh, girl. to partake. I, I, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Use me. Use me. I will. Um, I will. Do it. But okay. I, but I also want to say it's overwhelming to us as parents. And this is why I'm yes. in my prayers because you're working on things. So tell people what your organization does, what kinds of things that you can help with, when should they come to you and how should they come to you? How do they get? Okay. So if you're having trouble and you get a denial saying that we don't cover ABA, we want to know that. And we're sending, we'll, we'll, we'll take it through the appeal and we'll talk about MAPIA and we'll talk about the state. If it, if it's a state regulated plan, it usually isn't. It's usually one of these fuzzy plans that falls between um, but sometimes it is a self-funded plan and we'll take those and we'll write up a, a, um, an appeal on why it should be covered. And if we don't get them to switch, we will help you find a lawyer and lawyers have been, there was a case recently in California called Doe versus United Healthcare. And it was huge. And that was, um, done by, um, uh, Psych Appeal and Zuckerman Spader. They, they do these class actions and it was successful and they, um, and basically the judge came out and said, no, you need to provide this service. This is a known benefit to people with autism. You say you cover people with autism and you're not covering the service. And so the judge called them on it and now they have to provide the service. Okay. So um, so we will help them find, um, find lawyers if they need that kind of thing. So if they get denied right out of the bat, if they're trying to get residential treatment, their child has autism, they're falling apart everywhere, um, they're violent, um, they're hitting, they're self-injurious, they're injurious to others, they're suicidal, any of that stuff, we will get involved there. We'll help write an appeal if they've been denied treatment. For autism services, if they get a medical necessity denial and or if they get hours cut and their provider is not able to um, mount a lot of times, and this is why um, there is a little bit less work for me in the autism arena, because the autism um, providers are so amazing and they have taken on this fight for insurance themselves. They've made it an issue and, um, and they have, um, they write these amazing appeals and often they do get overturned, but I'm happy to help. I'm happy to advise providers if they need more detail um, detailed information, especially about the law, but I'm also happy to help families. Sometimes, um, they don't, they're it's, we do charge for our services and we have a sliding scale, but sometimes they are reluctant to spend money or they don't have the money. We do have a scholarship fund to partially pay for that. And that it's called the FEDA and Muhammad Amalidi fund. And it's in their memory. And it's like their gift lives on their gift lives on through, um, safety. Um, I was part of a panel this past weekend where we talked about fire safety, wandering safety. Um, Kelly Birmingham, who you had on on Monday, Kelly developed an amazing safety curriculum. So their 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 message continues to live on. I I digress. I I am wandering a little bit you away importantly from subject digress. matter. But right. let, well. but yes, but please, that's that's important information. But I do want people to know how to reach out to you now. Are you oh. just taking camp families that are in California? Or are you taking no. 
right? Nationwide. And how yes. does, where do they go to get in contact with you? Um, info at mhautism.org. And you can find that through the contact us section of our website, mhautism.org. Okay, mhautism.org. I don't and know if you Raven's can. going to get that up on the screen. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah. But let's say it one and more so, time to make sure. mhautism.org. And um, we have a lot of tools up there as well um, that walk you through the process. We have like an outline of what to put in an appeal if you try doing an appeal yourself. Um, and um, so there's a lot of resources there. There's links to other sites. Um, and we, I have been working on, it's called the Appeals Playbook. It's the brainchild, thank you, of my dear friend, Amy Pearl. And, um, and several of us met, have been meeting every week for over a year. And we, um, a we had a couple of lawyers, we had a regulator, we had several advocates, we had some ABA providers, and we talked about everything that needs to go into the appeals playbook. So if you get denied treatment, there's, you, 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 need, you may need to look in the detailed index to see where you need to look for the information that you need. And there are sample letters in there and things like that. So medical necessity denials, we often get called in to help with those. And sometimes it's a dispute about hours. They might cut someone back from 30 hours to 10 hours, and it's gonna make a huge difference in their, their lives. And so we will write um, detailed um, appeals on why that service needs to be provided. We also um, use the CASP guidelines and part of the new, um, the new uh, mental health, California mental health parity law is that um, the health plans are required to use guidelines that have been developed by professional bodies, professional experts in the field. And so the CASP slash BACB slash APBA, those are a lot of acronyms. Those are the professional organizations in the area of, a, of um, ABA. And so they have developed guidelines and they are not supposed to be using their own guidelines anymore in for California regulated plans because of this famous court case called Witt versus United Healthcare. Have you done it? Are you familiar with that court case? I am not. Okay, those those are good people for you to have on. Um, I would say Mayron Bendat or Caroline Reynolds. Um, and to talk I've about the Witt. On before, but it's been okay, so that's her case. Years. Okay. Oh, okay. So maybe that case, that case, um, we got the amazing verdict. I think it was late 2009. It was sometime March of 2019. So I'm not sure when you interviewed her, no, but getting her perspective on that case, yeah. the amazing, it's actually still, she appealed it and we're waiting to hear back on the appeal. Wow. Um, but um, wow. it was a big victory. And so this law formed because of that. Amazing. And the Kennedy Forum is bringing that law to other states as well. Like they're introducing that mental health parity mandate in other states, just like Autism Speaks took the show on the road and brought it to many other, they brought autism mandates to many states. Kennedy Forum is doing that for uh, mental health. Do you guys see what I mean about how amazing it is when you realize, oh, while I was sleeping, these people were working on this because none of us get there by ourselves, right? Um, absolutely amazing. Okay. Thank you. Now, one of the things that, that, families say though, and you brought it up that there's a cost for things. And yes. Sometimes families can't afford it. And you have an amazing scholarship. I'm so proud of you guys. It has, we have a scholarship, but they do have to partially pay. So um, it might it would reduce the cost significantly. And, um, and we do that if we had given, if we'd done it for free, it's really hard to get grants to do this kind of work. And so we wouldn't be here still if we didn't, if we didn't have if we didn't have a cost and I, I feel bad about it, but no, I also feel like don't, don't it's, feel it's needed, you know, but, because we wouldn't still be here. But people need to understand that, you know, it's, it's always like this, right. You know, mm -hmm. that your child, maybe in the first year of therapy, if let's say that you have a three-year-old and they're going to get intensive, early, really good quality um, behavioral intervention um, that depending on which state you're in, that could easily cost more than a hundred thousand dollars if you were going to pay for that out of pocket. Oh, and, absolutely. And then, but then if you do it through insurance, um, you know, maybe it's going to cost you 
your your deductible. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's going to cost you three thousand dollars for your out of pocket maximum, and you're still thinking, well, I can't even afford three thousand dollars. And no, it's worth it to parents, invest right. invest in it. Yeah, if it's I an investment. You, right. If I said to you, here's this this bottle of water that you desperately need, and you know it's a ten thousand dollar bottle of water, but I'll sell it to you right now for two dollars. You, you would look at it in a different way because you would start to say, okay, how can I, how can I fund this? So I know part of what you do is actually save people money so that they don't right. have to go broke. Right. Talk about right. the difference when people understand how to use insurance, how are you helping people to not go broke? Talk to us a little bit about that. Um, well, if insurance pays for it, you don't have to. I mean, that's very basic. I mean, one of the things that I think it's important to know when you can use in-network providers, it will save you not only a lot of, um, it saves you, it will save you a ton of aggravation and also it will save you a ton of money. Um, and the other thing is it puts the onus on the provider, not on the consumer. When you're using someone in-network, they have to follow all the rules and you, you are a beneficiary of their hard work. And so I do advise people when possible to use in-network providers. And when you don't, um, get in on it early before you go out of network. Make sure that you get permission from your um, provider to use your in-network, your, your in-network benefits out of network. And yes. they can do that if the network isn't ad adequate. And we see that a lot with autism and we see it with mental health now as well. And it is because there is such a greater need for these services than there is, than there are people that there are way more people that need these services than there are, you know, providers that, that deliver them. And one would think in most regular market scenarios um the um insurance industry would be kind of making it easy for these providers but they're not and um and i think that that says something about regulation and that we need more regulation because if they were getting in trouble for not finding providers for their clients that need them then um they would they would be um, more, uh, they would make it easier for everyone working with insurance to get coverage and they wouldn't be putting up obstacles and, um, taking their time and paying claims and doing all the things that I, I happen to see the underbelly of insurance, the underside, and it does sometimes work very well for families and for providers, but I, I see a lot of the problems. People call me when there are problems. Yeah. So I don't know how to work it. Yes. Because I don't know, because all of us didn't come from a background of public health and insurance. Right. And so I just want to, so did you guys understand what she was just saying that maybe, maybe you, you know, it's, it's better to be in network, but let's say that you're in a place, only provider. That, let's say there's no providers in your network. Or, there, or there's one that's there that says they have a two-year waiting list. And a yeah, lot that's... of our families go, well, I'm on the two-year waiting list. No. I can do. Don't. There is stuff that they can do. Yeah, you can get on that list, but also call down the list, get the list, call down the list. I would say you don't have to call every single provider on the list. I'd say call maybe 15 or 20 and mark up your list. If they don't call you back, that's a no. Um, anything but a yes is a no. And, and so, um, and it is a problem with ADA right now, for sure. They're just, and speech and OT and okay. residential treatment. A lot of the places in the plans networks are full. If you, if that happens to you, go to parent resources, go to parent support groups and get names of other um, providers, perhaps that aren't in the network. And, and then you go back to your health plan and you say, you know, I called 25 people on this list. No one has availability or nobody can do feeding therapy or nobody can do adults or nobody can do the specific thing that my kid needs, which is sometimes ABA. There are subspecialties. And so if they if nobody can deliver that service and, you know, someone out of the network that can you go back and you tell um, you tell your uh, care manager or the care management department at the insurance mental health side of things that nobody can do it. Can, you know, do they know of anyone who can do it? They might give you a couple more names of places to call, call them. 
If they can meet the need, fine. If they can't meet the need, you go back and you say, no, you're not finding anybody. And, and if they don't, if they don't deliver the law, we're working on regulations around the parity mandate in California. And, um, some of the re regulations say, um, you know, give them like five days a week. If they can't deliver, write it up and then and send it both to the um, in the insurance company as a formal grievance and send a copy to the Department of Managed Healthcare and fill out their form. And they are supposed to because with this new parity law in California, um, the onus is on the health plan to find the providers. And so if they can't, then they need to let you go out of network and at their expense as a single case agreement. And then so, you have continuity of care. You're allowed, once they agree to it, there's a certain amount of time that they need to continue to cover it. And they can't just pull you off because they found someone for you. There so you it, there's, uh, there's just all these things that I think the basic parent doesn't know. And this is why Karen is there. This is why she's created her company. This is why I would encourage all of you to go to mhautism.org talk to Karen because parent, this is overwhelming stuff. We thought that the school stuff with the, the school stuff is overwhelming too. And we, thought, we and thought that was like, Oh my gosh. But then when insurance came along and it's just like that much more jargon, that right. Things, right. For a lot of people, it's just too much. And then, then there's the regional center too. Oh, and the regional center is the payer of last resort. But remember that because if you can't get services from your school district or your, um, or your um, insurance company and your child is a regional center client, you go there and they, they are supposed to provide as well if it's needed. Um, somebody's asking how my son is doing. He's doing yes. really well. And I get to fell and um, he is um, working as he went, he went and got his AA in early childhood ed and he's working as an aide in a preschool and he loves it. He loves working with the kids. He loves seeing their challenges. He loves seeing their accomplishments. And um, he sometimes I'd say, I think that kid might be on the spectrum mom. And, 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 and they, they do like um, tr it's a great preschool and they do um, regular trainings and he loves the trainings too. So he learns new information and he's doing really great. And he's living um, in a setting where they're kind of keeping an eye on him. He doesn't get a ton of stuff, but they check in with him and um, they make sure that, you know, things are moving. So I'm very proud of him. He's come a long way. Thank you for asking, um, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and we're almost out of time here, but I just okay. want to say, uh, to me, the whole insurance thing is so aversive. Although there's a there's a good benefit at the end. So you you've chosen to devote your life to this. Talk to us about what the hardest parts are and what the most rewarding parts of working in this field are. The hardest parts are when sometimes when the regulator doesn't follow the law and it does happen and it's really, really, really frustrating. Um, and, and so, um, and, or they interpret the law differently from how I interpret it. And that, that does happen. Um, and so, um, so we will, we'll hit like sort of a wall. And that's really, really, really frustrating. That's the hardest part, I'd say. The, the most rewarding part is winning, number one. But it's not just winning. Sometimes it's just to be able to tell a parent what they need to do to get services. And sometimes their questions, I can just help them in like five minutes. And that's really, really rewarding, too. Like, I can give them some advice that they had, like, like calling down the list and getting back to the person, following up, um, be a terrier. You know, I, I used to, I have a poodle now. I used to have terriers and they just hold on to things like, so hold on and see it through, stay the course. And it's not easy, but stay the course. And it, they want you, insurance wants you to give up and drop out and, and give in. Don't give in. I think, you know, Nancy Allspot Jackson and she, I always, do. she always says, be a dog on a pork chop. That's yep. what I always think. Yep. Put your course, teeth not. around it. Don't let go and stay the course. And yep. eventually um, things will start to pay off. And if you have to invest like in a, like in a um, psych evaluation, say to get an expert to say something that say you're uh, maybe Kaiser. I mean, I, and I say this because they're all, it's all connected and integrated system. So sometimes you don't get the diagnosis you may need it's worth the money to invest in like, you know, an independent person to, to, um, say what's needed. Um, and sometimes, uh, 
insurance companies may muzzle um, their uh, providers, sadly. Yes, it's true. So, Karen, I don't know if you realize how much of an answer to a prayer you are for me and for so many other people. I just so appreciate you. You just have no Well, idea. I'm honored and I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with your son. It sounds like he's doing amazingly. He's and that he really that. benefited from all these services. And so he absolutely yeah. did, which is why I have a responsibility to make sure. Other, that people, other people, that's exactly how I feel. And I think about that every right. day. Will you do me a favor and promise me that you will call on me whenever I can? Be yeah, I'd like to I, you to I, interview I, some of the parents that have had a real challenge in getting services. I think it would be great to shine a light on what's going on and when they can't get the services they need. So I love that idea. Okay. Let's make, let's make okay. All right. Thank you. I have to let you know. Okay. That's fine. We're, we're in time. Amazing. Make sure that you guys go to mhautism.org and take advantage of what Karen has built because I know for those of you who have been like, there's got where's the person who's gonna help me with this? Now you've met her. I'm excited to have brought her. <laughs> Thank you so uh, much. We're gonna be back. <laughs> Thank you. We're gonna be back tomorrow with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Allspot Jackson will join me. We've got a great guest doing amazing things, actually, two of them. And We've got in the news, we're going to be talking more about the Amy Schumer, plus a couple of other things uh, that are really exciting. That'll be tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for having Bye. me.